Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audio. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash bonfireside chat. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Raise this on. Ah, um, Kindle it. All right. Kindle it. <laughs> Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. journeyed far and overcome much chosen undead I have long awaited thee once living now undead and a fitting heir to father Gwyn thou art I bequeath the Lord vessel to thee and beseech thee succeed Lord Gwyn and inheriteth the fire of our world my name is Gary Butterfield my name is Cole Ross and I am Bob Mackey. And you are listening to Bonfireside Chat, an undead favorite. And this week we are talking about Anne Orlando. Thank you so much for joining us, Bob. No problem. Like I said uh, in the pre-show in the green room, <laughs> I'm a fan as well of you guys as you are of me. So it was a big gross love and it's best that the <laughs> listeners didn't hear any of that. <laughs> they still might. We, we, we do deleted scenes. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, B- Bob, you are of Retronauts. Uh, right. Which currently, um, when when this episode comes out, you will still be able to contribute to the Kickstarter uh, to revive Retronauts, which has met its goal, but there are still stretch goals left. Uh, yeah, for- we have um, all kinds of crazy things that we want to do, and we still need a little bit of help, although we're more than uh, set on the podcast front at this point. So uh, <laughs> go Get yourself one of those shirts. Yeah, the shirts are great. Uh, my, my friend Nick Daniel made them. They've got a rad dinosaur on them. <laughs> that, that's the exact uh, adjective. For that dinosaur. Uh, yeah. The most perfect word that's ever I, I been chosen. Sunglasses. I'm not sure if he has sunglasses. I forget, but he better have sunglasses. He, he has. It's a pixel art dinosaur with sunglasses and a skateboard. Okay. He <laughs> might be missing a backwards hat and a bottle of Capri Sun or yeah. a pouch of Capri Sun. Yeah, but. A, a sack. A foil yeah, a sack, sack of Capri Sun. <laughs> like a, bag. A junior high wine bag. <laughs> the the uh, a Rostify of about 10% and get the, uh, you know. Um, yeah, it is a cool shirt, and uh, I recommend everybody who's listening to this uh, go go check out that uh, that Kickstarter and contribute. Yeah, please Uh-oh. do. Yeah, I'd appreciate yeah. it. I'd pay for your Kickstarter. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Would, uh, what else? Uh, where else can people know you from? Um, kind of, oh. I, I, you know. Well, I've been writing a uh, an article once every two weeks or something awful for since. 2006. So uh, yeah. I've been writing there for almost like eight years. So you might have seen my name pop up on something awful every other Thursday. I write an article. Uh, one just went up. Uh, what would have been last week? I forget when these episodes come out. But um, yeah, if you search Bob Mackey something awful, you'll find like 200 articles. And feel free to rifle through those and yell at me for some of them. The ones that haven't <laughs> aged well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I guess I can say that uh, I'm doing a weekly column for Joystick now. And um, it's going to be like one week is JRPGs, one week is retro games, and they go back and forth. So I'll be writing about both Japanese-developed RPGs and classic games. And um, the most recent column that went up is about Monster Hunter, which is a new gross dark hole and falling down like Dark Souls. So <laughs> I, I just picked up the, the demo um, of uh, Freedom uh, Monster Hunter Freedom Unite mm-hmm. for, for PSP because I was thinking like, oh, I need a, you know, a, a game – 
to obsess over um, so I can stop this ridiculous Dark Souls thing. Or not stop it. Slow it down. <laughs> and uh, it was – man, it, it is inscrutable. Like oh, I, yeah, I the- had a really hard time like getting into it at least initially. I mean I know it's kind of like a lame excuse that developers give, but that is not a game that demos well. It's kind of like teaching someone how to drive and like just you know teleporting them into a car that's going the wrong way on a freeway with like eight <laughs> lanes of traffic. It's like figure it out right now. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no uh, – the learning curve is pretty steep and a demo is not going to do it for you. But if, if you want to give time to it – and this is not like an ad for Monster Hunter. It's definitely <laughs> worth the time. Trial by dinosaur. Um, just, just to learn it, yeah. yeah it's, it, sounds like, it sounds like a game I'd really like. Sounds like my kind of thing. So it's been on my list of things to check out forever. Um, so I'll definitely uh, check out that column. Um, what is your what is your history with Dark Souls? My history with Dark Souls is I picked up Demon Souls when I worked at Atlas on the cheap. Um, they would offer games to employees for cheap, and I I heard I heard buzz about it. I just got a PS3, so I picked it up. I'm like, this is pretty awesome. It took me about a year and a half to finish it, though. Not like with Dark Souls, where I kind of just stuck with it the whole time, and. Um, when Dark Souls came out, I actually was working with uh, 1UP.com at the time, and I got t- the chance to talk to the director at E3 2011, which was great. That was like my second week in the industry. And I came to him with all of these questions. And in, like when I, when I asked him about uh, world tendency, which is a thing in Demon Souls that no one understands, I guess some people understand, but I don't still. Um, he lit up like a pinball machine. He was like, oh my god, you actually know about the game I'm making. So we had a really good conversation. <laughs> Um, and then I reviewed it for one up and I gave it an A and it was one of the, f- the first, uh, really good scores I gave. And since then I've, I don't think I've ever stopped playing it. I'm, I've, uh, logged in over 200 hours and, um, every night I'm watching lore videos and watching uh, <laughs> live streams and it's a terrible world I live in now. It's just all dark souls. <laughs> I, I'm in exactly the, the, the same spot. Like this was the year I got into perpetual games and it was, it was just dark souls and binding of Isaac. Yeah, you know, yeah. Back and forth between those two things, um, which is historically not like me. When I when, when I recruited you, Bob, when 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 I when I approached you about joining the show, you you you, you signed on for the Anne Orlando episode because it was open. You said it wasn't your favorite area. What what is your favorite area? I'm just I'm just curious, like about like what really scratches your itch here. Well, I mean, it's it's one of the ones I I do enjoy, but I kind of go for more of an atmosphere than I do for um, looking for like mechanics or enemies or bosses. And I mm-hmm. I really like the painted world. I didn't spend that much time in it uh, the first time I played, but uh, I guess on the, my third character, I kind of just uh, you know let, it, let let the painted world soak in a little bit, mm-hmm. and I kind of I, I kind of like what it's doing. Maybe it's because I played Demon Souls so much, and it's a very Demon Soulsy type world, and maybe it just giving me Demon Souls nostalgia. But um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fan of the painted world, and it's a very like I don't know, it's one of the more tragic uh, backstories of Dark Souls if you can you know measure them because they're all pretty tragic, right? Mm-hmm. The somebody is doing uh, somebody released a video where they're starting to use the modding on the PC to try to restore cut content. Mm, and, okay. And a, apparently, in the painted world, um, there's a, a sword you can get from Quelag that she, Shiva is supposed to steal, and then you get a black eye orb the same way you do with uh, Lawtrek, and uh, you have to invade him in the painted world. Oh, okay. That's wow. Where he's at. So who knows? Um, you know exactly where he got that from. I know that there's cut content. With Shiva, but uh, I don't know how much the the person who put together the mod is filling in the blanks or not. But it was definitely interesting to see, and I like the idea of people starting to mod this game for good rather than just to <laughs> hack the shit out of it. Oh and, god, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I actually, I heard you guys uh, reference a comment I made on the forums about getting spider egged and cursed with like a level five character. Yeah, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet, but I've been pretty smart about when to go online and when not to. Um, yeah, so so last episode, um, so we made our way through the treacherous passages of Sen's Fortress, and we fought the Iron Golem, and we were whisked away 
to Anne Orlando by uh, huge Demon Souls references um, <laughs> on wings. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, those guys are yeah. in the opening cutscene of Demon Souls. I'm pretty sure, or maybe I'm they, remembering it correctly. They, uh, in uh, the Tower of Latria, they mm. take you up from the church. Ah, yeah. okay. Um, they might be in the opening cutscene though. I'm, I can't remember exactly, yeah. but I recently I did my melee playthrough of uh, Demon Souls recently but yeah so we we are in Anne orlando you're here it's definitely a different vibe a different feel uh, uh you're brought into this grandiose view what i think is probably the best view in the game uh one of the best views in the game outside of i think ash lake uh we can get into that but uh you're here in this kind of like golden sun-soaked city of the gods mm-hmm. yeah and huge contrast with everything you've seen so far which has been all squalor and death traps yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like there was something big here waiting for me. The fact that not everything had been destroyed. Just my, my first time through the game. And I don't know, out of all the areas I spent in, I think I spent the most time in this one just because um, it was so intimidating at first. Just uh, I got, also didn't find the broken window until maybe my third or fourth hour in the area. So oh, wow. uh, I guess we'll get to that later. That, that's a, <laughs> nah, never mind. We'll get to it. It feels like a final dungeon. It feels like a final area. Like it's... Yeah. Uh, Everything mm-hmm. before feels trodden and touched and just kind of like everywhere. But this has the sense that you're going to find the wizard at the end, right? It's sort of like uh, Dr. Wily's uh, stage where everything just feels more uh, grandiose and mm-hmm. um, important, I guess. We like to pick uh, we like to pick a thesis for every episode uh, in order to up our pretension. But uh, I, you know, I, I laid this one out, Gary. You might you you may or you may agree or disagree, Bob, as well. But uh, you know, this uh, th- this has a lot of like lore significance. This area does because it is you know potentially the culmination of your quest. Right, uh, Frampt tells you you know go to Anor Londo and you'll find the, the the fate of the of the chosen undead. And uh, you know you're here. But the thesis that I've glibly uh, coined is pay no attention to that man behind the curtain, Mm. right? Because it definitely feels like Oz. And as you kind of go forward, you find out that it's a it's a it's a sham. Yeah. 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 (laughs) A couple couple lines late. It's a good good time to remind everybody that all spoiler warnings are off. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if if that was confusing, if that was confusing to you and didn't make sense, um, get past Dan Orlando or watch some some videos. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would say as far as uh, lore significance, it's one of the most you know lore rich areas in the game. And that turn that we're talking about, and we'll we'll talk about when we talk about the boss fight uh, for it, is probably my favorite, you know, concise modular bit of of backstory in the game. Right. Like the fact that you get to this area and it is so beautiful and so different than everything else, and then the game pulls this curtain under you and like, no, there's no beauty in Dark Souls. There's no refuge. <laughs> Nothing is okay. You know, everything that looks good is an illusion. <laughs> but, uh, but 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 you're dropped off, and for for however beautiful it is, it's incredibly hostile. Uh, have you fought any enemies aside from the giants in Sen's fortress that are as big as those sentinels? Mm, I don't think no. so. I think those are the first real major, I don't know, large enemies you fight that are yeah. you know not cordoned off in like a little tower area or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you can get outnumbered by them pretty easy, and you run up to them pretty quick, so you can potentially die and go back to Sens, and those Batwing demons are like, uh, we'll get them again, and then uh, yeah. you're, you're back there again before you find the, uh, the, the, the bonfire, right? The, uh, the giants are interesting because uh, we talked about this a little bit during the last episode, where getting the lightning spear is such a, a, you know, a huge upgrade, and then you're immediately thrown against enemies where you're really likely to whiff with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I my first time I got here, I was trying to fight them with the lightning spear, and it's really difficult. 
Um, you know, so that's one of the the first thing, the things that this enemy type teaches you. I think is that uh, you know different attack patterns and move sets for different enemies. You know, and that's going to change frequently. Yeah. It's also interesting. They give you a lightning weapon, and then they put you in an area with a bunch of other a bunch of other people who have lightning weapons uh, a little bit later on, and uh, there's nothing to protect you from it. So mm-hmm. you feel like a powerful god with it, and then you ultimately die to a bunch of other people who know how to use it better. Mm-hmm. But uh, you get to that uh, you get to that bonfire, and uh, you find a pretty notable NPC, the Lady of the Darkling. Uh, her lore significance is kind of hidden until you uh, until until you get to that turn. Um, at, you know, at the end of this area, but uh, she tells you a little bit about the uh, about the firekeepers, about the bonfires. Um, there's some interesting stuff that happens with her in terms of like saying what'll happen if you are the chosen one. A revelation shall visit thee. What follows thereafter depends upon you. Now, when she talks about the bo- uh, the firekeeper, says, "I am the keeper of the bonfire. If not for me, what beacon would there be in this lost city? A gatekeeper and a guide. That is my calling." The bonfires attended by the keepers are special. They are linked to one another, and their flames never die. Yet never shall the keepers of these flames meet. Mm-hmm. So for, 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 for me, anyway, somebody who likes to piece this lore together, uh, any of those details are, uh, are nice and juicy. Have you read the description of if you kill her and get her firekeeper's soul? Have you read the description of that? Her particular firekeeper's soul? Like, I, I know that yeah. she's hideous. Apparently, yeah, right? that's where that's huh. where the info that's where that information comes from, or part of it. It's between her armor and that that item, right? But that the uh, the firekeepers have uh, souls kind of undulating under their skin, and part of the reason why she's always wears this head to toe armor is to cover up how disgusting she is, right? Which is which is pretty pretty interesting. And the I mean you know because the the firekeeper Anastasia doesn't look, you know. I'm not. <laughs> this is the internet, so I'm not. You know, she's not too bad on the eyes. I don't want any deviant art, you know, uh, things about about Anastasia the Firekeeper. But the, um, you know, she looks she looks normal, and I wonder what is different about about this person. If you look at the YouTube videos, Bob, have you seen the the, the Dark Souls characters unmasked um, videos? Um, I've only seen the Onion Armor guy and his daughter. I've seen the, I've seen their faces. I've, what are their names? Uh, Sigmire. Yeah. yeah, Sigmire I and Sigland. No, uh, yeah, I know. What, I know what those guys look like. Uh, doesn't Sigmire have a rock and mustache, or is that Solaire? No, that, that's Sigmire. Oh, okay. that's Sigmire. Yeah, yeah. So, so Solaire just looks like a dude. Okay, yeah. But uh, if you if you look at her, she she doesn't. You know, she was generated with the character set, so she wasn't. Um, you know, especially hideous. So you have to take it as lore. But uh, those videos are really interesting because you're putting a face with a with a voice, which is real important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, she, she's a Dark Moon Blade, and you learn more about those kind of kind of later on. If you go one way, you run up against uh, one of the orange fog gates, which I think might be the first or second, maybe the potentially the third that she'll run up against um, um, in the game, depending on how far right. you've explored into the catacombs. Um, this and was the like, fir- um, it gives you a really, I mean, like anything in Dark Souls, gives you a really unclear message as to what would make this thing go away. I mean, what, what, what did it say? Do you guys know the specific, uh, I guess, sentence it spits out? If you try to go past that area, it's like something is needed or I don't know. It just seems very ambiguous. Yeah, I, I don't remember. And it doesn't give you the generic, uh, this mechanism is operated elsewhere, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. it does for another portal, you know, to a, to a land beyond later. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things are mechanisms. Right. In, uh, in this or contraptions game. or something. I yeah. Contraption popping up. Contraption not working or contraption broken. <laughs> or, <I don't> know. <laughs> this is a grandpa complaining about a Game Boy. Like it's not, you know, it doesn't sound like a, you know, a narrator. 
by by any means. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, man, th- th- thinking about the, the the geometry of this place, you get the sense that this grand cathedral and the sprawling city, you know, they're massive. But you look up at this thing that's on the hill. You know, you eventually find out it's the Duke's archives. I, I thought, wait, the Lady of the Darkling. She explains Seath's whole thing to you and talks. I, I'm- haven't talked to her to that degree. Yeah, yeah. You can look up her. Uh, it's. I think it's after you place the Lord, the Lord Vessel, if you talk to her. She, she like, says the whole thing, you know. He turned against the ancient dragons. He became Lord Gwyn's confidant and was allowed to pursue his research. He immersed himself in research on scales of immortality, the one thing that he did not have. But his very research drove him mad. The archives became a dungeon, a place for sinister experiments. Now... Nobody dares even approach the Duke's Forbidden Archives. It looms over this land high atop the mountain. Um, and then uh, it makes sense if she's a servant of Gwendolyn, which we'll talk about later. Again, the spoilers thing um, that, she, you know, that she would be putting Seath on blast makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it makes sense geographically as well. Yep. You know, she's right there. But uh, the way forward, which may not be, um, you know, quite quite apparent at the start, is this uh, crazy little screw elevator, which I think is uh, is significant because it is the most advanced advanced mechanism that is not intended to maim or kill you. I think it's significant because I've waited for it, um, you know, no less than like two or three dozen times, yeah. and I hate it. It is like waiting for an actual elevator. They they really replicated that experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I figured out the timing. If you if you walk up to it, like uh, like immediately after you're respawning, if you don't if you don't if you don't run, you're gonna catch it right as it starts to go down, so you can just jump. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you you understand enough about movement and physics to know that it doesn't save you time, though, right, Cole? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, I, like, I it, it's just going on the same schedule. If you get there and run around in circles or roll around, like you're not, it's not coming any sooner because you walk there. But, you know, if it, uh, okay, so I just hold up on the, uh, the left stick until I get there, and I can uh, check the Something Awful forums on my phone. That's true. <laughs> or you could walk, run up there, check the Something Awful forums on your phone. Cool. Imagine four balls on the edge of a cliff. Like, this, there is no. Like, you, I mean, come on, buddy. Uh, the uh, anywho, uh, you, you you go you go down this uh, this elevator and you run into. And Orlando is really weirdly, at least for this initial stretch, really empty. Yeah. Um, and between here and the actual kind of you know direct path as the crow flies uh, between you and your ultimate destination. Um, there are just two enemies that don't respawn, and and they are both uh, you know reuses of, of previous enemies, and uh, you run into it. It's kind of a mini boss, kind of not. Um, you you fight the gargoyle again, which there's not too much to say about it at this point. Right. You know, it's much it's much less intimidating than the first gargoyle. I mean, yeah. even though you you have less room to fight, it's just like I've I've done this before. I know what to do, and I believe it has less hip. I mean, if it doesn't feel like you know it's. Doesn't have the uh, the hit points of a boss or the the, the lasting, you know, encounter I, that a boss would have. I had a harder. I feel like it scales, uh, uh, you know, not in your favor. I'm I'm trying to do like as a kind of a challenge run. I've been trying to do a shieldless run, and uh, just before we got on on mic, I you know fought this guy with my shieldless guy, and he was significantly more difficult than the uh, the tower gargoyles. And hmm. uh, I don't know. Part of it is because he breathes lightning instead of fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that does more damage. But I had a harder time with him than I did with those guys. Um, could have been the arena as well. So I don't know the actual mechanics of it, but or you know the hit points and numbers behind it. But and it could also just be because playing this game without a shield is very difficult. So 
Yeah. But yeah, and this is one of the weirder kind of hidden things in the the game, though, because uh, you know you get to the end of this pathway, it's it's a dead end, and then um, you know the way forward is not obvious whatsoever. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. And then uh, I don't know. I'm looking at your notes, uh, Cole, and I, and I really like uh, what you pointed out here. I don't know if you want to launch into that. Yeah, because because I was in a similar situation, right? I got stuck here, kind of looking around, and then just you notice a broken window, and it sticks out like a sore thumb, kind of in hindsight. Um, because like everything here is immaculate and the imperfection sticks out and that guides the way forward. I love that in in a theory in practice, it did not work for me, but now (laughs) that you bring it up, um, I love it too. And I, is there, I mean, is there a lore reason why the window is broken? Was it like an Anne Orlando B and E happening? (laughs) Yes. Yes. At least the, some of the speculation I saw, um, there's an excellent series of character lore videos called prepare to cry that we referenced a couple of times. Um, there's one about iron Tarkas, who is the guy who helps you with the, uh, with the iron golem. Um, he, he was the first person to get to Anne Orlando and, uh, he was the guy who made his way up the buttress and, uh, broke that window initially, at least according to, uh, um, the prepare to prepare. Yeah. Vata Vidya. Uh, yeah. Video games, um, yep. and, and uh, he 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 ultimately dies. You find his armor later because he 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 uh, falls to the floor of the cathedral because he can't uh, he can't maneuver around the painting guardians. So that's why you find his armor there. That's the most corroborating uh, evidence for why that happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. Yep, I, Me too. I yeah, I don't it, I don't notice this naturally. I noticed it because of a uh, orange soapstone, like so many things in my initial <laughs> playthrough. Um, so again, just that to me, it was an argument for playing online, um, you know, cause I don't know how long it would have taken me to notice otherwise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's broken, but still it's easy to, uh, miss if you're not, you know, paying close attention to the background. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it, it's one of those things that, you, you know, you, you see this in some earlier areas if you're, if you're kind of navigating a grandiose, uh, landscape, like where if you die and then, you know, you, you leave behind your, your bloodstain, obviously, and it glows green. And then you realize, oh, I can see that from across the map. That's not a texture. That's not, you know, um, you know, kind of some kind of diminished far off version of it. Like that's the place that I was. That can happen here later too. If you die up on the, up on the roofs, like you can see your soul from pretty much the foot of the elevator. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so you could potentially see somebody who had fallen off yeah, or somebody. Yeah. So, so it's 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 actually really cool that uh, that the that the that the scenery is uh, geometry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you uh, you crawl your way up this uh, rafter into a broken window, and uh, you end up in a kind of an interesting area, um, some kind of you know shrine to uh, Guinevere, and uh, and you know slash an, an entrance to uh, the painted world, which is an area we're going to cover later. Right. The uh, you run into you know a new enemy these painting uh, guardians who are these you know very quick um, you know fa- fairly you know not hardy uh, enemies and uh, what's kind of interesting about them is later on when we you know we reveal how much of this game is an illusion or this area is an illusion um, these guys are not right so you know these people are actually here um, you know and that you know has kind of motivation speculation with uh, with Gwendolyn you know why why that is. But until now, you know, we don't know very much about them other than they kind of look like G.I. Joe villains <laughs> and they drink, uh, drink Estes. So they have to right. be undead. Right. <laughs> they're, kind of, they're kind of like if, if uh, somebody put too much bleach in the, uh, the Foot Clan and, and their laundry. <laughs> or, or, or by which you mean the KKK. 
Yes. So, so that <laughs> I think that, you're referring to the Ku Klux Klan, Cole. Yeah, that's. I think. I think it's a. Yeah, I think the. It's like the KKK, but with less starch in their uh, laundry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bit. Man, if you get on the floor of the cathedral a little bit later, they can surround you. Yeah, I mean, like the one thing that works in your favor is they really can't defend very well against anything because they don't have shields. So, I mean, you can cut through them like butter, but when they start surrounding you and throwing knives, and you're in trouble. Yeah. But these, yeah. Uh, these rafters, man. Uh. Yeah, I said it on the last episode, but I love the moments in this game where I just look forward and I just think there's no way I can do this. <laughs> and, and this was one of them where I was just like, no, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I go into like the stages of denial and I'm, I'm bargaining <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, the, like the, you know, with the game, um, you eventually get through it and you can do it. But I, I must have gone. I mean, I don't know how to. You know, I tiptoed through this. Yeah. I went so slow, shield up, and crawled through this area the first time. <laughs> um, I can run through it now for the most part, like run the straightaways. But uh, I was, I was so terrified of this. You kind of wish that there is a Z targeting feature so you could, you know, keep a straight tack on the uh, on the on the beams. Because uh, mm-hmm. I found myself very slightly, a couple times at least, very slightly edging off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, because it's it's Dark Souls, while you're navigating this really tricky platforming bit, um, you know, there, there are painting guardians up there who start attacking you, throwing mm-hmm. knives at you and such. And uh, I, I feel like I've died more times to uh, locking onto one of those who have, that have fallen down yeah. <laughs> than anything else. Like. They, they're fine jumping to their death if it means it'll accident like you don't accidentally walk off a cliff like yeah. that is a, a video game exclusive thing <laughs> um you know what i mean like to this degree i guess people that's not true people fall off cliffs all the time <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so there are otherwise people osha wouldn't exist gary yeah exactly there are people who probably you're you're weeping softly now about the podcast because their great uncle died tell that to my grandfather cliff. yeah <laughs> You don't right. walk off cliffs accidentally. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying you did it on purpose. It was, I, I feel like a real jerk now. So It was his one Sorry. vice, being transfixed by chasms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's funny because you think that's a gigantic statue of Guinevere, but it's actually actual size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So you, you can eventually make your way out of here. You go through a fog wall, too, on your way out, which always makes me feel like if I go through here human, I'm afraid I'm getting invaded. Mm-hmm. And fighting on those rafters, being invaded, sounds like the worst possible anything. That makes me want um, to troll that area. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Dress up as a painted guardian and do it. Oh, God, like, yeah. The only, the only invading you should be doing is theme invading. Yep. Um, that's so many YouTube fun. videos are coming out of that. Oh, unless yeah. they yeah. have. Yeah. I, yeah, I hope so. Those, uh, those, those daggers are one of the best dex weapons in the game, too. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you're not guaranteed to get one. There's no no place just to find one. You just mm-hmm. kind of a lucky drop, like the Balder side sword or the Titanite catch pole. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, you get through here and you find uh, one of the first pieces of architecture that uh, says like, "Whoa, there are big people who live here." That uh, big mechanical uh, spiral staircase, uh, them's big steps. And you find another gargoyle, and there's not <laughs> that much to say about it. No, not mm-hmm. anymore. It's weird. Yeah, it serves to make this run up that you're going to do a bunch of times empty. Which is both yeah. kind of a you know a boon because they know how frustrated you're going to be with this part coming up, but also just a big stretch of nothing to run through. It kind yeah. of uh, like I played. Uh, you guys have played Thirty Flights of Lovin, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, I kind of wanted Dark Souls to do that after I played Thirty Flights of Lovin. Just like just like <laughs> transport me where I'm going if there's nothing in the way. If there's like nothing for me to look at or do, just like you know, just like jump cut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you could we could talk a lot about you know the boss run ups. 
and and parts where the developers knew you're going to die and how far back they set your respawn points because mm-hmm. I can imagine arguments in favor but it's never I've never come around on it like I never like it this is one you know? of those weird areas where the shortcut that you open up doesn't make it any better right yeah <laughs> <laughs> like but you, you know you're, you're going to be starving for humanity at this you know in this in this area of the game at least I ha- I always have right so mm-hmm. you know kindling bonfires you know you it, it's it's not generally the best use of Estus. I, like w- once I open the front gate of that cathedral, I just I, I go back to the to the to the firekeeper, and that that that's my home base. Because otherwise, you're either running through the palace itself with the silver knights, or you are messing around with that mechanism from Gwendolyn's tomb. I I always end up go- going from the uh, the interior bonfire. Okay. I've, you know, the uh, the only times that I've had to do this run up is when I die to the the archers, which you know, we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. Uh, God, will we talk about <laughs> yeah. twenty get, minutes get ready. later? Yeah. <laughs> get, get ready, guys. Um, the uh, so you fight the gargoyle, you come up to kind of the opening the gates, and uh, there are some giants. They're not that noteworthy, and they're really easy to kind of kite around as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you don't have to fight them, and you run into hostile versions of the demons that that carried you here. I found that they, if you hit them from a distance with like a spell or an arrow, they will fall to their deaths. I think they just forget they have wings or something when they're, when they're hit. <laughs> they're, they're extremely easy just to knock off the edge, and they fall off their own all the time. They're yeah. pretty crappy mm-hmm. AI. You can take out mm, two or three of them that way, which is, yeah. which is real nice. Yeah. Bumbling idiots. <laughs> well, one thing that I'd like to say, like the most significant piece of architecture in the entire game is that staircase that runs up to the uh, front door of the cathedral, where it has the small steps on the outside, but the big steps in the middle. Mm, that kind yeah. of alludes to the idea that there are two kinds of inhabitants uh, to this world in this city. Um, mm-hmm. And this is at least um, nominally designed for both, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that definitely definitely plays out. Even though there are weird things where, you know, interior doorways <laughs> are, not, are not sized to, to giant size. So, you know, when I, when I first saw that, I, I could have bought that it was a stylistic thing. Like I know that you're right, and that is the reality of Anne Orlando, but this is you know not every piece of architecture points to it. The areas that you go for are for the human servants. Mm. Ah. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like I mean, yeah, that's definitely possible. I mean, there's people, no. If you're if you're a god, you just you're just making the same run up that that you do when you're you're fighting Ornstein and Smo over and over, where you just you walk in the front door and go directly to uh to, to Guinevere. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll buy it. Yeah. You know. Um, if you say it with enough confidence, it doesn't sound like speculation. <laughs> it worked on me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you get through those gargoyles and like literally every every response that we got um, about this area talks about running up those buttresses with the uh, archers. The two enemies in the game that create possibly the most frustrating section. Like I just experienced Blighttown for the first time a couple weeks ago. Like Blighttown proper, and this caused me to tear out more of my hair. Yeah, I think it is the biggest bottleneck sticking point in the game. And Dark Souls is a game about, um, I mean, the Soul series in general is a game, are games about becoming increasingly intimately familiar with these tiny, tiny little encounters. And that is the best example I can think of, of, you know, the, the philosophy in action. Just like, what do I do with this one, like, just barely, like, 0.001% of the game? Like, how do I, how do I handle this? Mm hmm. And there are many ways to do it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh, Firekeeper Soul in Blighttown, 
mm-hmm. which I, I know some people you know have no problem with that, but that is a, just kind of a small uh, stage and scene. Reminds me of this, where there's nothing really like it in the game, you know, other than that part. And you have to, you know, plan and trial and error your way through it um, specifically. This, you know, like you said, just this kind of like point, you know, 1% of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it most reminds me of. Yeah, it's it's definitely a situation where you hit up against this wall and you reconsider how many different variables you can try. Right. Like, like, what can I change that will kind of get me through it? Um, so you, you put on more armor and you raise your poise up as much as you can. But like, oh, that bow has knockback anyway. Those javelins that they're launching at you. So, so you're going to fall to your death. Um, you try and go light armor or, you know, shield this, whatever you try and roll around it. If you fail, you get hit and then you're going to die in one or two hits anyway, because there are two of them shooting, shooting at you at the same time. It's just like, it, 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 it it's very much like a rapid prototyping situation, mm-hmm. except it's made not rapid by, um, either waiting for that elevator or not running to that elevator. <laughs> right. Right. Your choice. <laughs> but I, it makes me wonder, you know, so the, the, only argument I've really heard in favor of these kind of like run-ups in Dark Souls, like the the parts where the you know the developers clearly knew you were going to fail because it was going to be a boss um, or a situation like this, and then having huge uh, stretches of space between you and the last checkpoint is that it gives you kind of time to consider that and cool down. Oh yeah, man. and it's like I kind of I will kind of buy that, but at the same time, you know, it, at the end of the day, when I'm when I'm dying. On my deathbed, am I going to look back on the time I spent running between this bonfire <laughs> and the archers positively? Like, probably not. On the balance, I'm not going to think, oh, that gave me enough time to consider getting through it. Um, like, I would have probably preferred a bonfire very nearby, like a Hotline Miami <laughs> approach, where I can just continually try, you know, rapid prototyping, like you said. Whereas yeah. this is, you know, uh, it's like, you you know, I, I, don't, I can't think of a comparison. It's like if you're prototyping and you only work one hour a day, you know. <laughs> And then go home and go to sleep for the rest of the Yeah, I guess the there was the a, good, uh, a good two to three minutes before you actually get back to that point if you mm-hmm. start from the, uh, the bonfire um, towards the beginning of the stage. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's excruciating. How, what, uh, how did you ultimately end up uh, taking care of it, Bob? What was your kind of first encounter with this? Um, for me, it was like the first time I went, got past them was just, I guess, sheer brute strength. Like I just went after one and then went after the other and I got lucky, but that was just after maybe 30 to 40 tries probably, um, over a few days. Uh, this most recent time I actually used poison arrows, which I realized are a huge way to break some parts of the game. But even then you still have to get into a very specific spot of the landscape where they can't hit you with their arrows while you can hit them with yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's basically how I did it this time around, the, the most recent time I played through the game. But even even like knowing as much as I do about the game, it is still like a, a huge pain in the ass every time I get to it. And and there's no place to – so if you got to that point and you decided to try Poison Arrows and you didn't know, you have to do a ridiculous amount of backtracking. <sighs> yes, you those. do. Yeah, yes. like, <laughs> like it's, it's a way of doing it, but it's, you know, it's not intuitive and it's not there. Right. And they're not, re- yeah, they're not readily available in that area. So, um, yeah. What merchant sells those? Oh God, female undead uh, merchant. Okay, yeah, uh, were the um, the the kind of like in the aqueduct, I guess. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. She sells them. They're expensive too, so that's the other issue. And you need a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I believe a hundred souls each. Yeah, just from buying them so often. So the, I mean, yeah, I I probably this is you know undoubtedly the place I died the most on my my first playthrough, 
Um, you know, same similar story. I ultimately ended up uh, getting through it by learning to dodge better and learning yeah. to roll through things. Like I didn't realize that I was literally invincible when I rolled. I thought I was just barely, you know, things were barely missing me. But the idea that an arrow can be coming and I can just, you know, if I'm somersaulting, it will go through me. I shadow cat it and get to the next side of it, um, you know, was, was what ultimately had to break in my mind to get through this. Yeah. The game has a really good way of surprising you, though, because if you make it to the top, uh, you're like, okay, fine, an archer. I can deal with an archer. Then he pulls out a sword, and you're like, okay, this is much worse. This is much worse than the situation I was in before. Yeah. You, know, you have a dude with a sword in front of you, and you have another javelin archer behind you. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, guy, you, the guy behind me can never hit me when I'm there. Oh, I've seen really? you know, gifs, and people freak out about that. But if I stick to the wall, the guy behind me, I've never gone over there and visited him. I've never taken him out. I always just go to the right, and I'm not uh, no longer accosted. Yeah. The trick that I do and trick is loosely defined because it never works most of the time, um, but the, the, the or it doesn't work a lot of the time, rather, um, is to get close enough to the uh, the one on the right, the one that's on the critical path and uh, get him to draw a sword and come after me and then just run as fast as I can back down to a safe spot. He will fall off the ledge and then I can, you know, continue moving circle back up and run because you can always outrun that other archer like, you know, like the, the, they'll always track a little bit behind you. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, if you stop to, if you stand still to fight the one on the top there, he has a chance of knocking you off and the guy behind you has a chance of, uh, hitting you as well. So you just have to abuse the path, uh, the, the path finding. Hmm. That's a weird psychological thing because I think that after you make that much progress in that area, you do not want to go back down. So <laughs> you're fighting no. for every inch and you have to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, a lot of times the, the knight will fall off from, if you can block him and, you know, manage your kind of manage your stanima uh, doing that. You can make them fall off. And then I think the, you know, the canonical way, like what they want you to do is learn to parry here because oh, really? you are, you know, you're, you're going to fight a lot of these things. Parrying is probably the best way to take them out. And here's one right in your face and you can't really move. Right. You know, um, but I mean, I, it took me a long time to, to get the hang of parrying in this game. I didn't, didn't play Demon Souls first, so I didn't really, you know, I was scared to do it. Right. Um, you know, all the time, but getting past it is such a huge, like sigh of relief. Like this is such a good feeling, <laughs> like getting past that. And the bonfire is really nearby. You know, everything about getting past this is just like the, you know, it's one of those triumphant moments of, of the game. Yeah. So Lair's right there. Your buddy's waiting for you, ready to hit on you for some reason. <laughs> um, you know, the, oh, right. The, that the, weird bit of uh, dialogue that just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I might think you have feelings like, for me. Yeah, <laughs> which if you're playing a chick character, okay, fine. Well, if you're if you're playing a dude character, okay, fine. Yeah, it? exactly too. Yeah, the, right. the, uh, it, it is fine in your case. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I know that's what I was working towards. I <laughs> wanted to build. Ten- <laughs> I wanted to build tension and then release it. But okay, fine. I'll, I'll let myself be be characterized in that way. But uh, but yeah, like you know, most of the fights from this point on, excepting the huge proportion of mimics to chess, um, are fair. It's it's easy breezy, beautiful cover girl, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's exactly that. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that back. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Uh, the, the, uh, so the, Sorry. The, uh, no, it's, it's okay. I like it. The, 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 um, the, the bonfire here is right across from uh, what you can conjecture to be Havel's room. And, and we talked about Havel, uh, this room a little bit during the episode where we encounter him. 
But kind of the, the big deal is that he has a, a hidden basement full of secrets. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? In that basement, I was just terrified for my life because I feel like there's something down there. But it's just a bunch of treasure. I mean, there are, there's, there's, there's mimics down there, right? One. There's, there's one. At least one. But I, I expected something much larger and more terrifying to be in just a dark basement, you yeah. know? L- like, the, uh, like Tomb of the Giants dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a really fun invasion moment where I was being chased by an invader before I had the confidence to really fight them off. And kind of got cornered and ran down into the fireplace and kind of hoping naively that he wouldn't know to look down there. <laughs> so I was kind of you know waiting you know in the corner blocking for all of my life and waiting for him to kind of stalk me down there in that dark room. <laughs> and that was really, really fun because um, it is definitely kind of a, a spooky, spooky area. Yeah. Speculation time. Uh, you find his gear, uh, obviously, and that's really good gear. But uh, the occult club, occult weapons, uh, they're, they're made with the dark ember, which was hidden in the painted world. So forbidden. The item, the item description says that. Um, and it's, it's hidden inside of a mimic. Right, so were the mimics intentionally placed there? Did uh, did did Havel trap that in order to make sure that anybody who tried to get it would be devoured whole? Um, that, that's what I think. I think. I mean, yeah. I, that's that makes the most sense to me. Is that? I mean, he, do we know? Um, do we know where mimics come from or what their origin is? I don't know that. Maybe offhand. the maybe if an occult weapon is in there, it turns a chest into a mimic. No. Okay. <laughs> I no. mean, like I, I go with you that far because it seems like what? Where else could they come from? Right. Yeah, I imagine them being. I feel like they're probably you know they 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 look like you know if you subtract the treasure chest mm-hmm. from them. You know, because their body and their tongue material are the same kind of thing. So they probably look very different and people kind of build chests around them. Like they're probably similar creatures to the slimes in the depths that just kind of wait in ambush. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, they they will, you know, adapt their surroundings and and use them. But uh, more, (laughs) way more terrifying than hermit crabs. (laughs) Yeah. I have no problem with hermit crabs. They're fine. Yeah. The the number one killer of hermit crabs is stress. That's (laughs) That's a true, true fact. And the, the uh, not not the case of uh, with mimics. They can't but, they can't make their bills. You know their their their, their girlfriends. Yeah, their girlfriends fighting with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a tough economy out there <laughs> for for a hermit crab. Oh he, man, his shell's going to be foreclosed on. It's a yeah. real mess. Um, <laughs> He's got to move into that one that doesn't fit, or that one that some idiot at a carnival painted a tennis ball on. Um, <laughs> so the uh, but I, I mean I think that that Havel hid this here because he didn't want anyone to get it. Yeah, yeah. And that makes the most sense to me, and that there's some kind of conspiracy plot with mm-hmm. him. Some people have dissented in the uh, you know the feedback since we first brought forth that theory, but I think that seems to be the simplest explanation, you yeah. know, to me. Yeah. Um, we you know we know Seath is is uh, super buddies with with uh, Gwyn. We know that Havel hates dragons. Like you know yeah. I don't feel the need to keep looking where where there are. You know I'll take yes for an answer. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious why there are so many goddamn mimics here. Like, I understand that they couldn't be before because that trap and sends was like, okay, here's this new thing for you to worry about, like the ground opening up beneath you in North Korea. But, like, they're all over the place. It's the highest concentration of mimics in the game. I think even earlier in the stage, there are mimics. Um, Yes. In Mm -hmm. one of those first hallways, there are two chests and one of the by a statue of, I think, um, Ornstein or Smoke. Mm hmm. Uh, and there, one of the chests there is a mimic, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, the the beginning area with the sentinels. There's one over there on the way to the to the Duke's archives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a crystal halberd in it, mm-hmm. which is a, a cool weapon for for a little bit later when you're on your way to the Duke's archives. Yes, and uh, you have a specific use for that thing, mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that later. 
Um, so I mean, you know, Havel, I'm, I'm willing to say that's Havel's story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, uh, but you head upstairs and you kind of make your way through the, through Anne Orlando kind of going through rooms and this game's really, or this, uh, level is very elegantly designed from like a shortcut perspective. There's a lot of, you know, locked doors and ways that you can make incremental progress, you know, unlocking the way back in a similar way to the painted world. Like when you had said that's like, a Demon Souls, like I, I didn't make that connection before, but I think you're totally right, where it's a, a linear level where there are multiple shortcuts that just go back to the, the beginning, you know, right. like switchbacks. And this uh, this section of Anne Orlando has that going on as well. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of doors that are locked from one side and you eventually unlock them once you, you know, travel through a bunch of shit to get mm-hmm. there, to get back there. <laughs> what yeah. is up with that weird church where the Titanite demon <laughs> just hanging out. Is there he's an ordained heaven? minister, I think, and he's just you know. <laughs> he married Sunday my friends him. Carl and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is an extraordinarily small room for that thing to be in. That always take, <laughs> catches me off guard. I'm like, how did how did he get in? And what's he doing? It built it around him. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like D, uh, Dark Souls hermit crabs. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> You build a church and a Titanite demon is just going to make his way in there. I mean, because of that, he's really easy to kill. But it just, I mean, it, you don't expect it, which I think is great. But it's just like, what, what are you doing here, buddy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can uh, like, like you can see him before you get down there to fight him. And if you have sorcery, you can kind of plink him down from up top in relative safety. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, if you're like me in this playthrough, you walk into that door like you know with this with the sound down and uh, not hearing the breathing, and like, oh, boom, one hit and you're gone. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there's nothing yeah. in there. Like he's not guarding anything. No, he's he's guarding his face. Yeah. and if you kill him, you can take the stone meat out of his face <laughs> and use it to make your sword stronger. Yeah, um, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so to make your way through, you also run into uh, Sigmeier again. Yeah, so we continue right. his quest line. I love Sigmeier's quest line. I think I think of uh, of all of them, like that's the most satisfying to me thematically. Hmm. Yeah. But like he just like he gets himself into these he gets himself into these binds and he's working his way through it slowly. Then you just kind of come in and take away his uh, take away his thunder, right? He says, "Oh, mm-hmm. we we'll need three, four more bodies," and you get the sense that he would have gotten it eventually. But you go through and 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 you know solve it for him, kind of like uh, you know Fry in that episode of Futurama where they're fighting the ball monsters, and he says, "Okay, we're going to steal that helicopter and climb over the fence," and then Leela comes and does all of that. <laughs> I just watched that episode of Futurama. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> the uh, well, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting too. Like, we'll talk about his ultimate fate a little bit later. But you know, if he is on, I you know, I get my lore mixed up and I and why he's on this quest. But if he is also you know trying to fulfill the prophecy, trying to be the chosen undead, that makes it all the more tragic that he can't do these things and you're coming through and succeeding in them mm-hmm. as the chosen undead. You know, there can be only one. And, it, and and just you know him slowly coming to terms, incident by incident. That's not him. Right. Yeah, I mean, even if you're, even if you're trying to play a good character, you're still hurting another character passively with your mm-hmm. uh, you know achievements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It reminds me of that. There's like an Onion article recently that was really <laughs> resonant, where it was like, uh, you know, area man angry that friend keeps achieving life goals or something like that, like overachieving <laughs> and knowing friend keeps, uh, you know, getting major life goals. And uh, just, you know, that way that you can be frustrated when someone gets married or gets a great job or something like that. Yeah. 
Reminds me of that. We're all little Siegmeyers. <laughs> Siegmeyers just crossing your name off in the yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> in the Dark Souls yearbook. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Dark Souls yearbook. <laughs> there's, a, there's an idea. Get out of Someone soft. should make that. Yeah, How- the most likely twos. And stuff, great. <laughs> the, the 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 signature page at the end. Yeah. Uh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> like have a grossly incandescent summer, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to work to that, but okay. Uh, but I'm signifying you. I'm sorry. That's fine. Does, no. does somebody get a special page in the in the Dark Souls yearbook? You know. <laughs> you get a, you get a memorial page like for all the for all the other classes who died. Like here, here you know, here's to the pyromancer. You know, went to Blighttown, never came back. The, the yearbook is one page with all the NPCs, and then like 499 pages of memorial of just all the characters <laughs> who have died, just all their different looks and, and where they died. Oh God, yeah. high schoolers die. Um, but um, <laughs> and we didn't, guys. We're better. <laughs> high five. We'd be alive, guys. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you, you run the Sigmire, you get up to, uh, you know, and you're really just kind of making your way through the only available path. Right. You know, through here. Um, there's not that much. There's no, you know, one of the things I love about Dark Souls, and I'll talk about it specifically in uh, the Catacombs, is that Dark Souls is not a puzzle game. You know, there mm-hmm. are not um, areas where it's like, oh, go flip the switch and then you have a timer to go do this thing. You know, that you just kind of go forward. You know, there's a few places where the way forward is not obvious, but there's usually one path. There is usually a, uh, you know, the the progress is not about figuring out, right? You know how to get pl- past a roadblock. There's like one switch per area that you might want to throw in a little. Well, you always want to throw something. it, right? If you get to a switch, flip it. Yeah, you know, and I, I love that about this game. Um, but you you eventually kind of unlock the way so you can run directly from that bonfire into the uh, your really significant game, which is or uh, area of this uh, area of this stage, which is a huge cathedral full of these kind of upgraded sentinels. In what way are they upgraded? They cast spells, or are they like the stone giants? I, f- I forget. Yeah, they can, they can cast our wrath of God and heal. Okay, and they have a lot more hit points. Yeah, you, you you make that run up. This is a gigantic area. There are a couple of interesting wrinkles to this part. Uh, you get to the uh, to the giant blacksmith, who is the person who will fuse boss souls to different weapons. Uh, he mm-hmm. also he also talks like the Hulk. <laughs> um, <laughs> to talk no good, Smith good or something like that. Mm-hmm. I really like how he's handling those tiny tiny weapon tools <laughs> with his massive hands. Oh, have you know this happens to be the largest anvil that I can afford. <laughs> um, wave to the silver knights. Did, kisses. did you, Bob, did you figure out uh, boss cells being able to be turned into weapons, um, you know, on your uh, own? Or was that something that you figured out through the Internet? I did through Demon Souls because a lot of the really mm. great weapons in Demon Souls uh, are made through boss souls. But it's not the same in Dark Souls. I know, like, there's a few. Like, I use the, I'm using the Moonlight Butterfly's um, horn, I guess. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To uh, use my, it's like the spear or whatever with the intelligence, uh, the intelligence stacking or whatever you want to call it. But outside of that, I don't think there are a lot of really great uses for souls. Um, you know, enemy souls. The, it depends. Like a lot of them are kind of gimmicky things. Um, yeah, they're very the first, specialized. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first playthrough I did, uh, Quelag's Fury Sword, which I think is really you know a good uh, first timers you know dexterity weapon. Mm. Through the game, um, and there there are a couple other things. Not very many, though. I think that that you're right about that. Um, the uh, uh, Artorias's sword is good, but you have to be building towards it way before you can actually figure out that you can make it. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and at this point, the souls you've received, so you have Quelags and the, uh, the Iron Golems. And uh, Quelag's Fury Sword is really great, but the weapons you can get from the Iron Golem are not, you know, are, are gimmick weapons. Right. You know, are made for YouTube. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I like the Moonlight Butter uh, Moonlight Butterfly uh, spear cosmetically. I think I said that in a previous episode. I worked I worked towards that. Oh I, yeah, um, this is what I'm doing my, with my game now. So mm-hmm. yeah. does a uh, pure magic damage, which is I think it's the only ga- weapon in the game that does that. Yeah, it's not split. So um, which is pretty cool. And the Crystal Ring uh, Shield pre nerf was really really good. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I heard about those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other uh, kind of kind of kind of noticeable wrinkle to this, if you didn't kill the Trek um, in the parish, and uh, um, he managed to make off with Anastasia's uh, soul, and you got the Black Eye Orb, here is where you kind of dip into his world, kill him and his posse, and then get that stuff back. Which is exceedingly difficult, like <laughs> because so you can't hard. you can't heal in it, and it's a three on one fight. Um, but it's really neat. It's one of the few, and we talked about it, but very few instances where multiplayer mechanics uh, intersect with the game, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with yeah. the single-player experience. I mean, I only did it this time, uh, this this playthrough, and I, and I love doing it because I, I like when, you know, they're you know, introducing those elements into, like, a story part of the game. But this fight against Latrec, who is, a, a, you know, a reincarnation of Yurt, right? Um, like yeah. it's very deliberately designed to like like not let you get any, any advantage because uh, his buddies have safe fall, which is interesting. So you can't kick mm-hmm. him off. Like they, they they took everything into account to make this. I know. Uh, yeah, he's got a cleric with him that can heal. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the other character is. He has two buddies with him though. Yeah, he, he's he's a, a fighter. I can't remember which, exactly which weapon he's using, but the the way to cheese this is with uh, you know if you go down to the the blacksmith, you can grab the hawk ring. Mm-hmm. At this point, which increases your bow range, and if you have the uh, the black bow of Ferris, which um, which is a wonderful bow, like hopefully you do, um, you can kill the his companions uh, without him aggroing. Right. And uh, it takes a while, and it's kind of a pain in the ass. But you know, if you can't do a three v one fight with no healing, <laughs> um, it's it's a good way to get your firekeeper soul back and get your revenge. <laughs> and that ends Latrex's quest line. Yeah, he he says, you know, he gives you some awesome villain dialogue when you're when you're fighting him, um, you know, just kind of pitying you for being naive. I thought you were wiser, but I thought wrong. Like a moth flittering towards a flame. How many times will these lambs rush to slaughter? How dare you insult Lautrec the Embraced? May the goddess have mercy upon you. And everything, but we we talked about his uh, story arc. In yeah. the uh, second episode, I think so. I think that I'm just putting off talking about Ornstein and Smo. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. I like Ornstein and Smo are are amazing. Like I yeah. had, you know, I died a bunch of times, but it's one of my favorite bosses. It was my favorite boss before the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love this boss fight from, from the intro to the music. Cool, cut in the music right here. <laughs> Uh, it's really weird that I'm not a, usually a big fan of uh, uh, Sakuraba. Is that, his, is that his name? I think so. Okay, he normally does. He does like every tail soundtrack, and then they're just like really droning, you know, kind of overblown. But I think it works for Dark Souls because everything is just like grandiose and terrible at the same time. 
Well, and that there's only music during a couple of key points. Right, I guess, I guess, yeah, it is used very sparsely, so it's not just like you're hearing it all the time for every fight. It just, it's there when it matters, and then it drops out when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the intro with these two guys, just, you know, uh, Ornstein jumping down, and just the, oh shit, I haven't had to fight these two guys. If you paid attention when you first got here and saw the statues, um, which I did, it's an like, amazing moment. Like, oh, these are those guys who are next to the Crystal Halberd. Fuck. You know, um, you know it is... It is really terrifying and it's uh you know just really really well designed um you know the fact that solaire is here in the beginning of anorlando is not an accident yeah so you you go in and and like it's designed for co-op like so somebody has to keep the other one busy right otherwise you're going to be kiting my, my strategy anyway was to kite them around the stage until until i planked one of them down to to nothing usually usually ornstein first because he's faster I, th- I think that most people will kill Ornstein first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome that it makes a difference, um, not just in how the second half of the boss fight goes, but in what uh, gear you get. Right. Something. Ornstein is the uh, the skinnier of the two. Is that right? Yeah, Dragon yes. Slayer. He's okay. the he's the one in the awesome uh, golden lion um, outfit. He's Kane essentially, um, mm-hmm. except uh, that that the stats and that armor have never been good enough for me to want to use it, which is a real bummer because I like the way it looks. We, uh, we didn't talk about it, but you run into his uh, kind of trophy room earlier as well. Oh, yeah, you with did. The, dra- with the dragon heads, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a cool bit. Um, I was really, you know, I thought something was going to come to life or something terrible was going to happen <laughs> oh, there. <me> too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, um, and then yeah. Smo, Smo is a bit, bit big, old, big old dude uh, who is the executioner. Everybody hates him because he's, like, real gross. He eats people. He's a cannibal. I feel like an executioner that uses a hammer is not really worried about being, you know, efficient or uh, humane. Yeah, exactly. Well, he and and then when you get the hammer, it talks about how he like grinds up bones to spice his food. Um, you know, he's he's a real shit. Um, and even in the boss fight, he's a real shit because after you kill Ornstein, he laughs about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say there's a weird dynamic between the two. Like when you if you kill Smo uh, first, that Ornstein kind of. Um, gets pissed off like that's like you know at least that's that's how i saw it like that was his mm-hmm. buddy but when you kill uh smo smo smashes ornstein with the hammer yeah mm-hmm. it's corpse or whatever and I, and I like that you know just because if you're not paying attention you wouldn't get this dynamic between the two but obviously they're not you know they're not seeing eye to eye on their their partnership or whatever yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i like i always think of it as ornstein just kind of respecting you know maybe he just kind of respects them even if they don't they don't get along and yeah smo don't respect shit yep um Lots of lots of fun nicknames for these guys. That's a, that's a big internet thing. I I have settled on Oreos and s'mores is the, the one that I end up using. I think the game wants you to call them fatty and beanpole based on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. notes you leave behind. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Someone online I read a thing recently where someone called them Rogers and Hammerstein, <laughs> um, which is great. really good. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Uh, so that's great. Well. Um, it's it's a real big fuck you though because if you've been trying to get you know if you're, if you're doing one or the other you you know just kind of like okay I'll whittle them down I'll, I'll attack whoever I can the fact that you know the second you know, you know once the first one dies the other one recharges and gets more powerful uh, it's definitely you know you think you're through the woods but you're not mm-hmm. yeah and the uh, uh, it is when you say it's meant for co-op like I did uh, fought these guys I ended up doing it by myself on my soul level one mm-hmm. guy. And it's you can it's possible to do it without it, but it makes it excruciating because it's all about having one of them in the foreground and fighting him normally yeah. while keeping an eye on your peripheral 
to see what the other one is doing. Yeah. Um, and you just, you have to wait for these moments, like these perfect moments to attack. And it's really neat mm-hmm. when you, when you can make it work. Um, otherwise, you know, you kind of bring in Solaire to just get hit by the hammer over and over. <laughs> it's a really cruel way to treat your, you know, your, your buddy. Um, you know, and especially if he's in, in love with you, like it's a, you know, just come in here and get hit with a hammer for, for, you know, six minutes while I fight Spearman. He'll come back. Um, yeah, I know. He's okay. <laughs> he's all right. Uh, so Super Smo uh, gains lightning resistance and, uh, you know, is able to essentially do more damage more than anything. Yeah. He doesn't um, gain a new move. I think Ornstein does. Yeah. Ornstein gains the uh, gigantic butt stomp <laughs> thing and uh, can shoot lightning a little bit faster. Right. Um, he's also really hard to hit, especially, you know, because you go between his legs most of the time. Um, and he's, re- he's really tricky. Super Ornstein is hard for me, you know, significantly harder for me than Super Smo. Agreed. Pyromancy is real effective on these guys. I'm playing through as a pyromancer right now. The only problem is it's so it, like most pyromancy. Really yeah, it takes so long to to cast. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. If you can uh, get uh, like the combustion spells, because mm-hmm. those are near, you know, those are melee speed. Right. Are really quick, and you can you know at least do really good work against Ornstein. Yeah. I think Smo is resistant to both, but Ornstein is is or Smo is weak to lightning, but he gains lightning resistance. Right. But uh, yeah, Ornstein is weak to fire. They're both weak to poison, and they're both weak to occult weapons. Okay. Uh, so, is, that the, um, is that the only real use of occult weapons? Because I, I've heard that that's the kind of the the worst, the most worthless sort of uh, affinity. For yeah. Dark Souls. Yeah. The the Silver Knights are as well, but I mean, you know, that's it's one area. Right. Where you're going to use them, and the uh, you probably have a better weapon than that occult occult club you found. At this point, you could technically dip into uh, the painted world at this point to, to to get that, but that is an awful long walk to take yeah. just to get a slight advantage against these bosses. I, I will usually do sequence wise. I will do painting ro- painted world before this, so I can be more powerful for this. Right. Like I think painted world. I think this is harder. This is a much harder boss in a harder area. Yeah. So I usually want to be a little bit higher level for this. It also stops me from being invaded quite so much while I'm. You know, going human to summon Solaire. Oh yeah, Cause because, a, because you're a couple of levels up. Yeah, I, I yeah. just you know I missed the, the threshold for some people. Yeah. Um, the, 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 this this show is making me realize how much I didn't know I was a uh, an architecture kind kind, kind of nerd. Um, but the but the idea that you're in this pristine area that is obviously designed as a place of worship, and through the process of fighting these guys, all these pillars are getting destroyed. That's mm, pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that is very cool, and mechanically is is really important because that's you know you're going to be able to heal and you're going to be able to block lightning spears and and such. Yeah, uh, through there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's definitely definitely true. They're kind of destroying uh you know the area they're guarding, um for that. Yeah. Um, you got it in the notes, and and I was felt very smart when I noticed this. Uh, <laughs> that you know, so after you defeat them, and uh, you know, you feel an amazing sense of elation. <laughs> you uh, there are two elevators. There's one sized for each of them, which is yeah. very cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's also possible that uh one's for the gods and one's for the humans yeah 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 but uh man so 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 there's a little bit of lore speculation about like if they're there protecting Gwen, Gwen, guinevere or if they're trying to keep her in if they're in on the illusion or if they're not if they're part of the illusion or if they're not um my my thought is that they're the final test right like they, that's, that's my, my thought is like, you have to be worthy enough to get past them to, uh, to do this, you know, um, because every, you know, everything else is, is, uh, or not everything, but a lot of points up this, up to this, uh, 
this area have been a test, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Um, just because everything else doesn't fit for me, like them, you know, trying to stop you from getting to to Guinevere. Um, you know, I don't. It doesn't seem like they would have that kind of power against Gwendolyn. You know, if that were the case, I don't. It doesn't seem to to match up. Yeah, they're they're, they're the only remaining living um, members of Gwen's court aside from Seath. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, Artorius has died long ago, right? Um, I, I, I would think that if, the, if they are part of the test, then they are manufactured by Gwendolyn in order to make sure that there's somebody who is strong enough to, uh, um, you know, go after Gwyn, right? That, yeah, that's mm. my thought. Huh. Yeah, that, 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 saying those kind of things feels good, but ultimately it's... <laughs> It's empty. Right. I mean, I'll buy it because there's nothing else to buy, but it's yeah. plausible. That's the best you can ask for, I guess. Yeah. Only game in town, yeah. Yeah. If, if you, if, I'm sure people have ideas, so people should definitely write in yeah. and let us know what they think. But you get up there and you, fi- you find Guinevere. Um, I, I love the graffiti. This is some of my favorite graffiti oh, in the God. game. Um, you know, great chest ahead, you know, gorgeous view, neat I, head. Uh, I mean, uh, Cole, you didn't play uh, Demon Souls, correct? Um, I'm, I'm hmm. about like halfway through it. Okay, well then you probably know that if this was Demon Souls, there'd be lots of uh, sticky white stuff yep. plastered or, all over the ground. Or try holding it in both hands. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a, like, I don't know, I should have done more research on this part, but I remember reading an interview, and I think it was with IGN UK, where they were asking, like, oh, can you explain more about, you know, why are there gigantic humans in this world, like uh, Gwendolyn, right? And the producer, I think it was the producer, where uh, he was like, well, you know, our director, uh, Miyazaki, he really likes big women. And I think they asked a the follow-up question, like, what does that mean? Like, they, they weren't aware of the context, like, hey, maybe he's, in, he's into, like, gigantresses or whatever. And the guy was like, uh, no more questions on this. <laughs> uh, I'm really paraphrasing. Please look up the interview. But it was something along those lines. Like, the interviewer didn't understand, like, he's into big, large ladies. Mm-hmm. He thinks they're hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um I guess I could kind of explain uh, Gwendolyn's appearance beyond the lore. The, the the way that I heard it was that one one of the concept art designers uh, did a sketch of uh, of Guinevere, and like he was so like into it and just kind of like, oh, this is what she should look like. That Miyazaki couldn't say no to him, and that's how it got uh, through. That's the on the record explanation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not that he has. <laughs> that's not the explanation that's buried in the mimic in that guy's basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, we all have mimics just that just keep our little secret story. Away. We all have our mimics. To, to bear. <laughs> we all have our mimics. Um, yeah. The so this is uh, if you if you buy it, you know if you if you don't scratch below the surface, this is one of the most video gamey RPG moments in the game, mm-hmm. where like you run into this golden goddess who gives you a quest. You know, and says you are the chosen one. You are amazing. She gives you a very powerful item, and it feels again the same way that all of Anne Orlando feels suspicious in how much it works and how beautiful it is. Um, you know, it stands out mm-hmm. to me. Like her dialogue, and it's all old Englishy, and uh, you know, it's it's very Dragon Quest. You know, thou, but thou must. Right. And uh, you know that it stands out, and I love that it's not the case. Like I didn't figure it out in my first playthrough. But I love that that's that's fake and that's you know she's that's really not a that. hologram. Yeah. Well, she's really there is a, a Guinevere. She ran off with a, a fire god. Right. There's a there's an item that explains. That. I think it's the um, the ring, the one that gives you faith, improves your faith, uh, your miracle strength. Um, mm-hmm. She ran off with a fire god when everyone abandoned Anorlando except for uh, Gwendolyn. Right. Um, 
but and in uh, I don't think we mentioned this, and uh, I don't know what I'm bringing it up because I don't know the whole story, but in the Ornstein and Smo room, there's there's a pillar and there's a there's a figure on each pillar, except the third pillar is there's nothing there. Thank you for bringing that up because that's actually okay. like a, a huge part of, uh, and we'll we'll play into that a little bit more. Like that's so the speculation is that that's uh, you know uh, Gwyn's son. He has a, a second son that you know we we know exists, and the most popular theory is that Solaire, mm-hmm. and that's why he's trying to get back. But uh, you know, there's that's you know it, it's one of those, it's, I'll buy it because there's nothing else to buy. You know, I'm like seventy percent convinced that's the case. Yeah, you so. find a you find an item in this area called Ring of the Sun's Firstborn. Mm. I need to look you, up where that is. It's but, in uh, uh, it's in the tomb. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the the speculation and and the shrine outside of the parish kind of corroborates that to a certain degree because that's where you find Solaire and he's kind of at his one of his nadirs. Um, that doesn't yeah. make and sense. He's literally the, the, unique. Um, yeah. The, the baby is holding a, a straight a sunlight straight sword. Yeah. Yeah. So it. I mean, it all makes sense. I, I'm probably at more than seventy percent. Yeah. Mm. But uh, so if, so if you don't like if you're just going along with the uh, you know the suggested path, um, you know you get the Lord Vessel. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the you know most empowering items in video game history. You know, it's this thing that you've been probably wishing you could do, you yeah. know, the entire time and, and teleport between between bonfires. I know this was something they patched to make more useful. Yes, they added a lot of bonfires to the list with the uh, with, with the expansion. Yeah, but if you but if you had, this is a, this is a fun thing. If you had played and unlocked a bunch of the bonfires beforehand, and then you loaded up the expansion. Uh, on an old save, it would actually take some bonfires away from you. So you had to go oh. back to them <laughs> to reactivate them. Yeah. That's a, uh, the, she can also, you can also join the princess guard here, which is a boring, shitty faction. <laughs> like, I, I don't really like, I mean, it's, it's less baffling than world tendency, but the factions still don't really do a lot for me. And I'm not even sure what this one does. Do, do you guys, can you guys comment on that at all? There are uh, two exclusive miracles. For it. Ah, okay. The, the, the two that you find on the Picassas and uh, uh, the Duke's archives can only be used by people in this covenant. I'm 95% sure. Right. Um, so they're, they're all geared around um, healing you and your co op partners. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like Way of White, except it gives you a more tangible benefit, but it's not as good as this uh, God Sunbros. What is it? Warriors of Sunlight. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't give you attack um, stuff. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, but the, um, but they all, the, at least in their descriptions, say it makes it more likely to be paired with other members of that. So they're all in the good category, you know, at the top of the D and D alignment list. Um, and they mm-hmm. all they're, they're all geared towards co op, and you're more likely to hit with one or the other. You might mm-hmm. get a, I, th- I think you get a different colored aura too. Um, yeah, maybe. Like a, I don't. This is probably the least popular. Covenant. Yeah. I don't think I've, I've seen anyone talk about doing this. Yeah. But but let's say you heard that grand sweeping speech and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, what happens if I shoot this person? <laughs> like, again, and I, I say it a lot, like the first person who discovered this, this had to be it just been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, just like, what happens if I shoot this? Oh, shit. You know, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's you know, the was, day the lights went out in Anne Orlando. <laughs> oh, sorry, the night. <laughs> favorite favorite, uh, disco song it was day then night (laughs) but uh i love this cutscene. yeah Um, yeah because every everything goes dark and everything that you thought 
you know, was, uh, you know, that maybe you were suspicious of, um, you were right to be suspicious. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, it is dark. It is a dead city. Um, it is nearly abandoned, which, you know, is a huge mechanical change. Like this is an area you could still potentially, you know, have reason to be in, um, for, you know, the part we'll discuss soon and it, you barely fight anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're leaving, you know, you're trying to get out and those two people you see in silhouette down in the uh, cathedral room where the, the giants were, mm-hmm. is just, it, it just looks really, I mean, for lack of a more eloquent way to, to put it, it just looks really badass. <laughs> you know, these two people with a light at their back mm-hmm. from outside and, and, mm-hmm. and in the darkness. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I love it. Like, it's my favorite turn in the game, right. for sure. Yeah. Um, the Lady of the Darkling, you know, uh, Gwendolyn kind of took her in and gave her a bit of a purpose after she turned undead. She's real pissed off. So if you're trying to walk back, you end up having to kill her, which uh, deactivates that uh, that bonfire. So you can't warp away from it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can still warp to it, I think. But it uh, also it also fucks up bonfires in uh, Anor Orlando to where yeah. no matter which one you saved at, when you die, you get warped back to it. Right. Which is a huge pain in the ass for uh, this next bit. Um, mm. So, you know, if you kill her, and I, I usually do, I almost always do this. Um, it makes you a target of uh, the Dark Moon Covenant, which we'll talk yeah. about in a moment. Um, but I like it because you get another Firekeeper's Soul. After you do this next bit, you don't really have reason to go back here unless you need to do the, the Painted World. And because I, I like it so much. Or the Smith uh, if you want to upgrade. Yeah, but you, you can go directly to him. You can warp to the the bonfire in the chamber of the princess, uh, not directly true. to him, but get there really easily. Right. Um, so, so you go down, you go down some stairs and you find a, kind of a shrine hidden in this area that you would need to find a pretty obscure ring and do things in an odd sequence to get to earlier. Right. It's in the catacombs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, pretty well hidden. And the, and the catacombs is a really confusing <laughs> area anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you use that ring and it kind of opens up, uh, it, it removes the statue of Gwyn or something like that. But there's a secret passageway that takes you back to a fog gate with a, with an area where you can kneel and, uh, Gwendolyn talks to you mm-hmm. and says, you know, offer offers to make you a blade of the dark moon. Right. If you uh, haven't I've... killed Guinevere. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Important caveat. Yeah, I like this covenant a lot. I've I've joined it and I've done some stuff with it. Never to the success that I've had with being a dark wraith or being a or, or being, a, being a warrior of sunlight. But um, just the idea that there's this sin counter that can be you know on you at any given time that makes you uh, a target for these police um, mm-hmm. is really really cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, and there, I feel like it's one of those kind of uncompleted. Uh, Mechanics are ideas in the game where there aren't that many things that increase sin mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and it, it, it's a super neat idea that I wish they had gone further with. Yeah. You know? if, me too. Because uh, is that that's related to like, write, you know, if someone invades you, you can write their name in some book or like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it just seems like if it was if it was actually, I feel like nothing actually happens after that point. It just <laughs> like, it adds a number to something that never gets figured into anything, yeah. you know, that matters really. It's it's weird too because if you put an indictment on somebody, usually they they're looking for PvP, so it makes them more likely to get a you know to get invaded you're, by somebody. You're helping them out. Yeah, so you so. can stack indictments on people, and it's like, hey, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a cool cool faction. I haven't gotten a chance to play around with it yet, yeah. but uh, it's it's my plan. If you uh, if you have killed Guinevere, or if you just go through the boss fog, you're intruding on. Uh, Gwyn's kind of uh, you know dummy tomb, his like coffin full of bricks, <laughs> you know. 
um, and you fight uh, one of you know a, a boss fight that I really like, and one that oh, I didn't so play until my second playthrough of the game, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I didn't, I, I didn't do it until very recently either. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it's Gwendolyn, um, the 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 one remaining son of uh, of uh, of uh, Gwyn, who his powers are are affiliated with the moon, so he uh, was raised as a as a girl. And uh, mm-hmm. he's got he's got snakes for legs, and he's dressed up like a lady, and he has the power to house the leaves that tomb and makes the uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes the hallway infinitely long, and you're chasing him down. I have to say, like this is all uh, news to me. I I did not even know this existed in Dark Souls. Really? Yeah. Uh, I like. I'm not even sure. Like just hearing you guys describe it, I'm not sure how to get to the area you're talking about. Uh, what you do, you you, you know the uh, spiral staircase that you can rotate to get to the to, to the painted world. Right. Um, if you go down that, there's an area underneath the cathedral where there is a uh, a statue to Gwyn, and then there's a bonfire there, which is kind of useful if you don't mind dicking around with the with a staircase. Uh, okay. But, the, but but that but that's where it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's okay that we we told you about this thing. Um, uh, no, like I, I want to go check it out like immediately now. I felt like I, this is something I majorly overlooked. Yeah, I, I hope I, you know. I hope you, I hope you dig it because I'm real into it. It's a cool. It's a cool boss fight. Do you? I mean, is it okay if we we talk about it? Yes, please. I mean, like I, I'm gonna check it out. I think when we're done with this, I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> I mean, wait. Do you have to? Do you have to like uh, kill the illusion of Gwendolyn first for this to happen, or is it um, there regardless? It's there regardless. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But but I recommend killing the illusion of Gwendolyn. Because it, mm-hmm. it it looks neat and it's a cool experience at least once you know through the through the game mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah. so Gwendolyn's a cool boss fight you have this ever expanding hallway and he he uh, just does ranged attacks right. um, of of you know varying types and you kind of chase him down it's not an infinite hallway it actually ends yeah which is kind of crazy I've watched a YouTube of it but I've never had the patience or the dodging skills <laughs> to get down to the end. But uh, it's all about just kind of being able to get past his attack it, it attacks, including one that is a huge, you know, magic missile that you cannot block. Right. And uh, I had the hardest time with this, you know, going through. Oh, you can't block it, and it uh, goes through pillars that you can right. hide behind. Yeah. Uh, so, so you have to roll out of the way. Yeah. So again, yeah. another kind of rolling uh, tutorial. Yeah. Like uh, so many okay. things in Dark Souls, it's about managing distance. So if you are long range away, he will, uh, you know, do the, do the magic missile. If you're mid range, he will throw these golden daggers at you that mm-hmm. can do a lot of damage and will actually uh, stun lock you, uh, yeah. keep you from running. And all of this is in service of making it so that uh, you can't close the distance. And when you do close the distance, he will warp away. So you have to chase yeah. after him again. Meaning that uh, if you're doing melee, which is one of really one of the only effective ways that I've found. Uh, to fight him, um, you can really only get one or two hits in uh, before he runs away. Yeah, and and to kind of balance that, he doesn't have very much in the way of hit points, right? Um, you know, and he doesn't do anything when you get up to him. You know, he only has those three attacks, but uh, it is really it is really tricky and uh, really satisfying to kind of hunt him down. Mm-hmm. I think you can cheese this with the uh, Dragon Slayer Great Bow. Oh, um, yeah. I think that I think that will hit him from where you before he aggro's. Um, there's so many bosses in this game you can actually kill before they start fighting you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean it's a great boss fight, and the kind of the plot reward for for beating him, um, other than you know killing a god, is that you uh, find out that Gwyn's tomb is empty, right? And it is a coffin full of bricks. Mm-hmm. Mm. So something is afoot. Um, the kind of the, the the greater message again. Spoilers are off. Um, is that uh, Gwendolyn is trying to prolong the age of fire? Um, mm-hmm. and kind of the, 
uh, quest to get you into the into the kiln of the first flame. Um, you know, like you know, the 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 the, the chosen undead myth um, is entirely to get Gwyn out of there, so somebody uh, more controllable takes his place to uh, to keep it, you know, to to relight it and keep it going. Because if the dark takes over, gods lose their power and humanity rises. At least that's the that that was the prevailing theory before uh, before Artorias and uh, kind of bringing some of the abyss stuff in and Manus. Yeah, and it, and it still stands up. I mean, there's arguments that that still kind of make that work in the face of the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even getting Gwyn out of there. It's also Gwyn is being used up, right? You know, by maintaining this flame. So it's not even saving him so much as you know, you get the impression that if you uh, oh, and Gwyn is the boss of the game. Yeah, the uh, if you, <laughs> you, get, you get the <laughs> um, we warned you about spoilers. Um, the uh, you get the impression that you know if you had done nothing, you know, you, you, there's a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this kind of desperation, you know, trying to get somebody there who can do it is really cool. And then the idea of maintaining an illusion of prosperity mm-hmm. um, just has this way of feeling like a um, like almost like, you know, nobility, you know, like a, you, you'll read things about like noble houses in the Renaissance who, you know, kept up appearances in spite of, uh, you know, falling on ill fortunes and how important that was. Right. And uh, that's what it, that, this always reminds me of. You know, it's important to keep up the illusion that things are fine yeah. in spite of them being anything but. Yeah, it's it, it's super lore significant if you're willing to go down those speculation roads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably – it's one of two big uh, big things, you know, with that. And we'll get to the, the next yeah. one a little bit later. Speculation uh, Road is one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Speaking of songs, <laughs> I did want to bring this up and I couldn't think of a better way to bring it up. But whenever I hear Anne Orlando, I think of this, the song Desperado and I, and, I, and I just sing it in my head, but it replaced uh, Desperado with Anne Orlando and it, it's very fitting. <laughs> Everybody who knows that song is not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do it, but I encourage everyone at home to do it. It's a fun game you can play. Um, <laughs> it's a very musical yeah. podcast with the uh, with the Sen's Fortress and all. Oh yeah, snaking yeah. your way in the world today snakes everything you got. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll have to <laughs> have to tell Brayton about that. So when we're we're co-oping through Anne Orlando, I can uh, we can do that. Um, no, uh, I mean I'm 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 paying attention just so you guys know. But I I did look up a quick video of this uh, this boss fight. I had no idea it existed. I had no idea I had no idea this bonfire even existed. And right. I played 200 hours of the game. So. <laughs> What's it's really hidden. No, yeah. nothing, nothing is wrong with you. It's really hidden. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's something that you wouldn't think to do to go down this thing. You're already where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I didn't find out my first playthrough. You know, I didn't find it until – and I think that – I don't think I knew what would happen. But somebody, you know, I try to avoid spoilers on, on this game up until I decided to read everything. And uh, I think someone said try shooting Gwendolyn and then spoiler text what happened. And, uh, you know, so I tried it and then did this next part. It should, it should, it should be said that we, that, that we've been interchanging Gwendolyn and Guinevere, which yes, we it, have. It, it, it makes well, sense because you, they're both lady yeah. names. Uh, but from the context, it's always been clear. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's fine. No, yeah, no I no. realized I was doing that like, um, about five minutes ago. I was just too ashamed <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, uh, Anne Orlando. Yeah. You know, um, one of the biggest areas in the game you know, probably the most lore significant game uh, moment in the game, and the fulcrum with with uh, where the game is now non-linear, and uh, you're really in this kind of home stretch. You know, you have four very distinct goals, and uh, you can tackle them in any order. Yeah, 
you come in and it's this pristine, awesome, glowy summer, you know, afternoon and you leave and it's just the night in winter time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's no hope left. Yeah. There's a ghost town. No hope. Awesome. The, uh, the painted guardians are still around, which again, you know, the idea of what, uh, you know, it makes sense to a degree, you know, Gwendolyn would want to keep, uh, people out of the painted world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the occult club in there, your occult, uh, uh, Ember. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that he recruited real, real live bodies to, uh, yeah. you know, to guard that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. So next time uh, we're going to get past those uh, those painting guardians and actually check out what's uh, what's the deal with that. Uh, but mm-hmm. That will require a little bit of a trip to the uh, to the uh, asylum again um, to uh, to pick up a little artifact there. And we're going to be joined by Murph Murphy of the Dork Knight podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. It's one of my favorite areas in the game. As we said at the beginning of this episode, uh, this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, our dear listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial of their service to give you an opportunity to check out what's happening there. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash bonfireside chat again that is audibletrial.com slash bonfireside chat for your free 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 audiobook sunday 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 also applicable the rest of the week um do we have any like wrap-up thoughts before we before we move on and kind of sign off I mean, I, I I don't like I kind of forget the reasons why I I signed up for this area in particular, but just uh, talking about it, it might it might be my favorite area. I'm not sure. I, I might have changed my mind about that just because of um, just how different it feels from everything else, and just how much you can affect the um, I don't know. I guess you can affect the atmosphere. I mean, it's just turning the lights off basically, but still, it's a huge departure from what you you know experience when you enter the area. Yeah. It has there's a sense of it not being static. Like we we talked about, uh, you know, there there are few times in the game where you can actually change the game world other than killing a boss or killing an enemy that doesn't respawn. Um, and it's one of the you know it's it's probably the biggest one. Um, you know, for the most part, you are not you know affect you know the uh, dark route remains the same. Like most areas, you're not having huge kind of cataclysmic effects on. And this one, you definitely can. I feel about Anne Orlando the way I feel about the Ornstein and Smo boss fight. I like having beaten it more than I like beating it, playing it. Right? Mm. I, li- I like having gone through it more than I liked going through it. In that there were these moments of you know difficulty spike, which is fine. You know that you know that's part you know part of what the game is. But um, just I, I enjoy more thinking about the implications of it than actually you know the experience, which makes it sound like I'm down on it. But um, I don't know. That's uh, that, that's how I feel. It's interesting mechanically. It's interesting in a lore way. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that uh, it stands out to me more than that initial impression that you as like a fun as over. a fun place to play yes. as, a, as a yeah fun area to be in. I don't know if we ever talked about it on camera. I know that you're uh, big. You know, you talk about Ash Lake a lot. Like, what's your favorite area? You know, non lore wise. Like, what actually does that for you? Sense. If this area doesn't sense, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. What's your second? <laughs> what's my <laughs> yeah. What's my second? Yeah. What What else are you into? I mean, I'm just trying to think of like uh, you know because this I mean this does it for me pretty well mechanically. Like I have mm-hmm. a lot of fun going through this area. Um, you know, pretty much every time I play. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think about that. Like I really like uh, the undead berg 
uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a kind of a boring answer. Um, other than that, I like Dukes a lot. Like aside from that one little misstep there, um, Dukes mm-hmm. does it for me. Uh, you know, just in terms of navigation, um, in terms of you know trying to figure out where to go, interesting enemies. Um, I like the boss fights in that um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So now we know that about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess one more thing. I mean, I think the first half of the game is a better experience than the second half. Not that I dislike the second half. I just, I enjoy playing the first half a lot more. And I think um, Anne Orlando is a great climax to that first half. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. We didn't talk very much about the Lord Vessel and what, you know, it's very empowering to be able to teleport, but there is something that's lost um, in being able to do the rest of the game in any order. And being yeah. able to kind of go back and clean things up. Like, it's, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd, it'd yeah. be you know, infuriating to walk from the Duke's archives to, <laughs> you know, Nulando ruins every time, you know, you had to, to, had to do so. Yeah. But uh, it does lose a little something. That's true. I that. do like how interconnected the world feels in the first half, where the second half feels like you're just wandering down these linear paths and going to the furthest um, branch of those paths. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a um a reference that very few people will get, but it's like EverQuest pre plane of knowledge and EverQuest oh. post plane of knowledge. Of course. No, I I have no idea what that means. Yeah, no, just it's 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 the idea that before that you had to run from one end of the of the continent to another, you had to ride on boats. Um and then you know, they bring in this area where you can warp around. Right. Mm-hmm. It may it, it compacts the world, it makes it feel smaller and less mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and totally necessary, though. In, yep. in oh, this God, game. Yeah. Like, I mean, because, oh, yeah, I'm so glad it's there. I, I would not <laughs> have it any other way. You know, because yeah. I, I just, you know, going back through, you know, areas after you've already beaten them, the way that, you know, even though every time you, you level up, you only gain, you know, a little bit of defense and, and one stat point, ends up making this huge cumulative effect. So going back through an area, it is usually, you know, trivial difficulty-wise. Like, that's one of my things with Sens. Like, I love Sens, but I had a similar experience to what you're talking about, Cole, where the first time I got through it, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily similar, but it, I had the first time I went through it, it had a huge effect on me. And now every time I go back, I just kind of have it memorized and just kind of run through it mm-hmm. in a way that this still feels challenging, maybe because of the, the difficulty spikes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so not having to backtrack is is 100% yeah. you know, the way they had to do it. But yeah. you lose something. It's similar to when we were talking about Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Like You lose a little something in, in rounding off rough, rough edges. Right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, more to Gary's point, I think you kind of sound like an asshole if you've talked about Dark Souls and you've been through it, you know, mm-hmm. for 200 hours because nothing really feels that difficult. <laughs> and it's hard to remember when things were difficult. So when people give me advice in the early stages, I'm like, what is wrong with this person? Like, oh, Capra Demon isn't hard. I'm like, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really yeah. fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I still feel that way. And I try not to be too judgmental of people. But it's, it's hard to, you know, have the same perspective if, you, if you're mm-hmm. so intimately familiar with the game as, as we are. Yeah. And I hope we don't sound like jerks is what I'm saying, basically. I try and be mindful of that. I try to keep one foot in like, okay, I'm playing this now for, you know, roughly not all the way through. But, you know, I'm I'm going through Anne Orlando for like the third or fourth time now, but also have the other foot in like my memory of that first go. Mm -hmm. And noticing how similar those two things are is just as rewarding as also being like, oh, this is a breeze now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we do an okay job of it. I mean, people people call us out on being bad at the game sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we're obviously not talking with that much confidence. Hey, like, uh, I had no idea this whole Gwendolyn thing even existed until now, so I'm sure I'll be getting a lot of crap. <laughs> but with, 
Mm-hmm. This would be a good time, you know, halfway through this uh, this season of the show to say we have no qualifications. We just have microphones and a lot of free time. Yes. So. Yeah. And and we know Demon Souls even less than this. Yeah. And then by the time Dark Souls Two comes out, we know as much as you. So it's kind of it's like a reverse, uh, you know, crescendo of authority. <laughs> it is this entire concept of this show. Yeah. And uh, I've only played, you know, about 45 minutes of one Kingsfield game. So by the time we get to that point, look out. (laughs) We know nothing. (laughs) And that's everything that we have to say about Anne Orlando. Um, If you have corrections, if you have thoughts about our next area, which is the Painted World, um, please go to www.duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and share those with us and we'll read them on an appendix episode. Um, tune in next week for uh, your thoughts about uh, Anne Orlando here. Um, also, we have the Facebook group, uh, which is where a lot of this is, uh, a lot of this discussion happens. That is facebook.com slash bonfireside chat. Lots of interesting stuff happening there. Uh, it's a good place to be. It's essentially where I put like gifts and YouTubes of funny shit. <laughs> so like somebody, you ran into patches in the catacombs. Someone did the most perfect patches like cosplay <laughs> thing in that game I put it up there and you want to see that yeah. yes you could just search YouTube for it but why not have all of your Dark Souls content aggregated <laughs> by us by joining us on Facebook Yeah. Um, in addition um, you know if you'd like to support the show um, you can use that Amazon or that uh, Audible link you can use our Amazon link at uh, you know duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar um, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes that's what helps people get the show and learn about us um, write about some blogs tell your friends if you have friends who like dark souls and they haven't checked out the show um that is an opportunity mm-hmm. so please expose them to us please do as opposed to us exposing ourselves to them <laughs> Duh, sorry. <laughs> so um kind of the the, the 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 last little thing here check out the retronauts kickstarter where you can um you have a little bit of time left uh, as of the you know the day this comes out to kick some money their way and help them reach their stretch goals yeah, please do it. Um, I can say, you know, I said it before. There may I may not be podcasting if it wasn't for Retronauts. It is so good, and it was the first podcast I heard. I love it. Um, is the scar? It was the uh, the survival horror episode with Scott Sharkey. <laughs> so that specific one uh, that he did is the the very first. I have a very specific memory of it. And uh, you know, Bob's a wonderful person, and we want him to be able to continue doing work uh, rather selfishly because I'd <laughs> like to keep listening. So yeah, um, please do that. Um, you can also check out our shows if you go to www.duckfeed.tv. Um, we list them all there. We both do several other shows, and uh, we like them all. Yeah. So if you like this, you might like that. Most sweetly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that I think that's about it. Um, until next time, uh, you know, thanks a lot, Bob, for for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, yeah. anytime. Yeah. I love uh, being on podcasts, and uh, I love Dark Souls, so it works. Yeah, as a duet of pleasures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, but yeah. Uh, until next time, um, you know, my name is Gary Butterfield. My name's Cole Ross, and I am Bob Mackey. And praise the sun. Praise the sun. Come on, Bob. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Praise the sun. Thank you. <laughs>